if you put the human being in the center and B to H, suddenly you have an organizing principle to say, how do I surprise and delight? How do I educate and inspire? How do I truly make a meaningful connection with that individual, right? One at a time. I do think technology enables a lot of that behavior. Welcome to another show of Branding Over Wine. And with us here, we have Jim. Jim is the main partner at 50,000 Feet, an agency focused on branding and tech. With clients such as New York Stock Exchange and offices across the US, Jim is one of the leading lights when we look at brands and technology. And that is the theme of our show. So Jim, let's immediately start with a sweeping question to start with. How has technology innovation changed branding the last 10 years? Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Martin. It's, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And um, what a question to begin. I mean, in so many ways, although it hasn't, you know, I, I think many people would argue the fundamentals are very much the same, that, you know, um, so much has 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 fun has changed as well so um technology i think we'd all agree has made our world so much bigger and so much brighter that it's increased the opportunity and possibilities in so many areas and realms of in the way that we work the way that we live for branding it's it's identical right i mean it's allowed our brand experience to be much more dynamic much more immersive i mean from omni-channel they become truly you know, and from multi-channel, they become omni-channel. Um, they become multi-sensory. They speak to us all times of day. They they help anticipate um, our need set, anticipate our want set, um, and our path through the world. So it's it's made the the job of branding much richer. Um, are some would say more complex, although I would say much more fulfilling as well. So it's it's been tremendously transformative for the the field of branding. Although ultimately, I think uh, uh, a much more dimensional, rewarding um, field, as well as much more critical for for marketers and for businesses overall around the world. Yeah, yeah. you said many intelligent things in uh, one very compact phrase or phrases there. So I'll just try to unwind them and take one of the things that you mentioned earlier. So it makes it more fulfilling. In what sense does it make it more fulfilling? Yeah, I mean, the work of, you know, with with tech and brand, I mean, tech has relieved us of a lot of the um, the, the parts and pieces that were one time not automated. So tech has really powered brand to, to move through channels, move across spaces and places, across platforms, um, across media that it hadn't reached before. So tech has basically created these wonderful, immersive, immersive environments. With that, brand is at the opportunity, you know, in its in in its original genesis form, right? And in terms of its original authorship. Brand was always a moniker or a guide to as a wayfinder for all of us to make our way through the world, right? Um, among, you know, uh, um, option, you know, many options around products, services, places, and people. And we still have that job as marketers and as brand marketers to do with the advent of tech. Although tech has allowed 
the, the this opportunity of brand to really focus and richen and deepen around belief systems. So belief systems for any great brand system, you know, mission, vision, value for to any belief system for any organization. So your brand is built on that that. Um, necessary in that core that core group, as well as this idea of purpose, which has risen to the fore of um, all great brands in the past some set of years, three years, five years, definitely today, purpose is on the minds of every great um, brand marketer in the world. So I do think that there is a link between the rise of what power and ability brand or technology has lent brand marketers and it's relieved it of some of the work and allowed us to focus on deeper um, more meaningful um, dimensions of brand right so you, you you mentioned the belief system that's a really nice phrase especially for the ones in europe and eastern europe where we look at belief system in a more uh, fundamental way in life such as religion or such as how to look at, at capitalism and society. You mentioned mission, vis mission, vision, and values. Does this belief system play a bigger role now than in the past? I think it does. I think it does. And, and maybe I'm I'm lacking um, historical perspective, but I, I think we would all, as you know, as listeners and your audience would certainly, you know, would know as better um, than I. Brand is built on a core ladder of mission, vision, values. And what's been wonderful in emerging in the past several years is this idea of purpose has risen really to the fore. So as brand as defined, it's always combined the, the, the best of kind of the head and the heart, right? All of the rational belief systems and all the rational delivery on what are the core basic need sets within a product or service, how does a brand and how does a business meet and deliver on those for their audience, as well as the heart, the emotional aspects of the overall experience that an organization or a product or a service may deliver on and fulfill um, for their customers. So um, the be belief system, I think, has only grown. I, I think that in terms of, you know, the, the current landscape and in terms of what tech has enabled brand marketers to do, um, there there's a greater capacity, a greater ability for brands to deliver experiences that really, truly fulfill um, on both rational and emotional drivers. If I were to back up and, you know, even lengthen my, you know, my response a little more, um, for your your listeners will already know that brand is the largest intangible asset for most publicly traded companies. So when we talk about shareholder value, brand from a rational, from a business driver perspective is absolutely critical. Um, what's been wonderful and what we've seen over the, you know, definitely throughout the pandemic, and I, I would argue that it's it's riven, uh, you know, that this trend emerged prior to the pandemic. It's become a basic, basic contributor to shareholder value or, or to stakeholder value as well. So brand has escaped the orbit of the business, so to speak, and it's really in critical um, foundational element um, and platform in which how you speak with your employees, how you speak with your business partners, your supply chain value partners, how do you speak in the communities in which you live and you work? So from a public affairs perspective, um, it's very, very critical. You're even seeing sovereign states and actual countries, right? City states recognize the importance of their brand um, and the capacity for growing and building a brand as a platform to support richer dialogue and richer um, economic development and richer connect 
connection for its citizenry, for its all of its stakeholders of all kinds. So I, I know that's a it's a long response or a lengthy one, but I mean it's it's um the dimension and capacity of brand has only increased in recent years. It it's almost as if you say brand has evolved into um an ideology, not an ideology in a sense of capitalism or communism, but let's say an ideology that you build for your business. Every business needs to have an ideology and the brand is the personification of this ideology. Um, yeah, I, I, I might step away from that. You, you, you're right. I, I agree, Martin. I, I think you're, you're astute and you're correct in your, your thinking. I might step away from this idea, this word ideology. I mean, what we use here at 50,000 feet, we talk about this idea of platform, which might be closer akin to the conversation of brand and tech. So we think that brand is the best platform for a strong growing organization or business. Um, it's wonderful because it's it's really foundational or it's the stage on which you step to really perform for all of your audiences, right? And to deliver on all their various needs from products, service, experience, distribution, what have you. So it's brand is 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 very, very important. It's it's the the ground on which you walk and um, in which you perform and operate. So you're right, though, the platform is the animating kind of spirit or a guide or essence. Um, it's the belief system of an organization. So um, ideology is not so far from that. Um, and then you, some would argue it's the lifeblood, right? It's the spirit and it's the song and dance of the organization. So great brand gives life and form and meaning and expression to organizations from a visual as well as a verbal identity and experiential perspective as well. So we come to know the world and we come to know organizations through the brands. I use the word ideology because it has a slightly negative connotation, <laughs> especially in Europe. And, you know, it has a slightly a wonkish connotation as well that, you know, you go a little bit too far in your thinking, which we brand people, I myself tend to do as well. But when you talk about belief system, belief system is actually ideology, but perhaps in a more um, palatable way, a way yeah. that, you know, it's easier to bring across to the other stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And how has technology played a role into making these belief systems more actionable? And can you give some examples of that? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so many. I mean, when we talk about technology, and I don't want to, I, I won't, I promise I won't step away from your question. I, I think that every brand is a tech brand today, right? So at 50,000 feet, we say, what is 50,000 feet's belief system or what is our current platform from a brand perspective? And we talk about, you know, our role for our clients is we help to transform brands for a digitally transforming world. So every brand, is a technology brand today. It's how we come to connect and transact and um, communicate with our audiences. So I don't think that you can you can divorce or you can you can separate the um, the conversations of great branding with technology. Um, how it's changed is it's it's made um, the stage even bigger for brands today. I mean, you know, and we may all tire and kind of roll our eyes on this idea of omni-channel, although it's it's pretty powerful when you think through um, the number of platforms and channels and media um, in 
which you can speak and connect and transact with your customers like never before. And not only does that give you greater you know, awareness in, in terms of, you know, credibility and, you know, pervasiveness, it's, it, it offers convenience and connection in ways that were never possible before. Um, so we, that's pretty powerful. Um, we talk a lot with our clients lately, you know, in the last several years around this idea of multi-sensory experiences. So technology, not only appears on a screen, right? It's it's kinetic and how it shows up in the physical world as well as the digital world and sonic. So we're really using brand and we're we're, we're creating brand experiences that are truly multidimensional um, and multi-experiential. And that's pretty powerful. It's powerful from an engagement perspective, from a visibility perspective, from a true immersive, you know, connection perspective that we can actually um become part of our audience's worlds, our customers and our consumers and our stakeholders. And that's pretty, pretty powerful. And it's relatively recent, you know, again, in the, the last handful of years, in the last decade, has technology really given us kind of the, the hands and the capability to, to render those experiences so absolutely, utterly um, immersive in ways that you never, you never thought. I mean, I think Apple, to make things quite specific is is wonderful by recognizing the power of what brand experience can do and wonderful design. I think this idea of design is a, a close kin to the conversation of brand. How do you solve the problems or challenges of connection with your customers and your consumers, ultimately your audiences? How do you create these brand experiences that are ultimately intuitive and wonderful and immersive and delightful? Um, that's pretty powerful. And I think that there are many others. I mean, Microsoft, it's wonderful that I think Microsoft is is rightly the darling of brands and you know of brand as well as tech today um, in terms of its uh, its encouragement. I don't want to say adoption, it's encouragement and it's invitation to AI and how it's integrating and becoming a pioneer and forerunner of um another generation of technology to enliven and um many of its platforms and existing tools and experiences. So I think it's pretty wonderful to watch um, their rise in the ranks among some of the greatest brands um, in the world and what that's doing. And ultimately, they're, they're being rewarded by creating brand experiences that benefit their audiences, right? So it's it's really they're in service to recognizing a need or creating experiences that their customers and consumers want. Um, that's That's pretty powerful. So there's it, I, oh go ahead go ahead i'll talk forever it, it, it's he, here's the thing but can you do this for all brands because now you have all these possibilities to get these brand experiences but the human mind and the human amount of time that we have available for these experiences has not increased so i could have this wonderful apple experience i'm a fan of apple i love the new microsoft i like the inclusiveness of microsoft the the openness the the le let's say the, the dropped arrogance from the past. But this is not what I want from my Tupperware. If I put something in the fridge, I just want it to stay fresh. And this yeah. is not what I want for my rice. That's not true, actually. I, I, I like to have good rice as well. And so if we expand all these experiences, there's just not simple enough time to enjoy them all. So that means we have to choose. And it means literally we can only have experiences on some brands and on other brands we can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Um, a richer life might may be described as one with more options, right? So yeah, this idea <laughs> of decision making is is pretty is you're right on. I mean, ultimately to to begin with the end point of your your rebuttal is important that there's a wonderful article called The Tyranny of Options that much of the modern landscape today, we have many options um, and have experiences, products, services, places, spaces. Um, and that's both good and bad. It's interesting because one of the greatest challenges of brand marketers today is to help navigate, steer, guide, and direct consumers and customers through those money options, right? And that's you know, I mean, that's a good problem to have. Ultimately, I I think if we step back in your your comment though, which I think is a good one, because you you have a habit of opening up and embedding all these questions in you know single one, um, technology, great experiences, and great tech helps relieve you of some of that decision making. And I think when you step back and you look honestly about how much you take for granted as you step into a room and you assume there'll be electricity and dim lighting and uh, the air temperature will be right and you'll be able to have Wi-Fi and connectivity and the sound system will be correct. Or you walk into a modern day conference room and all of the tech surrounding you and powering, enabling you to have conversations with people around the world, you take a lot for granted. Or even back to the Tupperware in your refrigerator, you're, you know, the refrigerators are quite intelligent and smart today. So um, tech is really allowing us to, um, allowing brands and ultimately businesses alongside them to anticipate customer needs. So this idea of how brands anticipate and this idea of anticipate is really important, I think, um, as, a, as a point of focus or a locus for conversation today. When you talk about AI, AI helps us anticipate the next step of our customers or consumers. And if you widen the lens of that conversation a little more, that's a path we've been going down for quite some time that tech when used well helps us accomplish some of that. Um, so it's pretty powerful. Um, it's pretty, it's the four seasons, right? Of every customer experience that how can we anticipate the wants and the needs of our guests um, before they, they know them. So you would almost yeah. say the way you talk that the ultimate experience of a brand is to have no experience just to be there and to be in the room and just to give the customer what it wants without the customer even asking for it. I think that's a really great canvas on which to paint. I think you're right. I think, you know, I hate to say there's any ultimate of anything, right? It's just it's like you always can do one up and better. Um, most luxury branding today begins with that that aspect, that, that vantage of how do we relieve our guest or a customer or a consumer from needing to needing to decide on the next step, we enable them to take the next step. So this anticipating needs of your customer, really, really powerful. We see that in our own business, in our own small business today, in our own agency life, that how, you know, from our, it's, I speak on that. How do we anticipate the needs of our clients? Very, very important. And then, you know, I think it's part of the art of any great conversation or any great experience is really being truly attentive to with whom you're you're speaking. And you mentioned how do you anticipate the needs? That's easier said than done, in my opinion. I mean, how can you find out needs? Can you can you give some practical tips or some examples that you 
try to get into the mindset or the frame of the customer or the future customer to get those needs to the front. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, back to tech, right? I mean, you know, the, the foundational response first would be listen and learn. And you'd say, okay, Jim, unpack that. What do you mean by that? Technology allows brands to listen and learn like they never have before, right? So um, when you think about any integration of AI, constantly, I mean, it's predicated in listening and learning. And um, maybe that's some of the fear surrounded by the app, but, you know, I'm certain that's probably the lion's share of the fear surrounded by the technology and the generation of tools that it's constantly listening and learning. Although, um, you know, when done well and done right, that's, that's pretty powerful. So I think when we think of the newer generation of AI, I think that's a perfect example of a wonderful virtual feedback, you know, a loop of constantly listening attentively um, through the interaction and engagement of each of us and developing personal digitally rendered experiences that really deliver on that. I think if you back that up a little bit, because it's always nice to kind of step out of, you know, make things practical. I think Airbnb as a brand that, you know, the world loves, and I think rightfully so, many or most of us do constantly listening and learning to their guests and um, to their hosts and seeing, you know, that perfect exchange needs to be a balanced proposition and one that works for everyone, thinking through a digital experience, thinking through a physical experience, thinking through a content experience and ultimately a brand experience. Um, they've been really forthright and really generous in terms of um, rethinking and thinking again um, from a design, communication, advertising, digital experience perspective pricing, packaging, positioning, some of the extension of their brand and their offerings. I think it's a wonderful way uh, to run a business and one that's, you know, rightfully become kind of a darling and, you know, move from, I think, a, an upstart challenger unicorn to one that's an established global brand in one of the, you know, the height of, you know, one of which we admire in a, you know, a rapid, rapid, you know, period of time. So, I think that's I think that's pretty credible. It's it's you look at the exchange, maybe some of the dialogue with Google that Google is one of the largest in the top five largest brands and, you know, within the top two in terms of its unaided awareness that we all rely on and turn to there. I, I feel like they're remarkably humble, though. I mean, they they've um, they're quite extraordinary in their their dialogue and how they communicate what product innovation they're making, what um, revisions to their products that they're making based on their users, based on what they're seeing and not seeing. I think their active conversation around AI, not to get stuck on AI, this isn't an advertising <laughs> AI, although, you know, the launch of BARD and thinking through how they're openly innovating and this idea of open or creating in front and with your audience, I think is pretty amazing. Um, and it's one that we like to do as a company as well. So not only do you take on the act of creation for um, your clients, you take it on with your clients or customers. So I think Google is wonderful about that. Um, you know, there, there's three kind of pillars for many, many tech brands today that, you know, a lot of the conversation kind of circles around this idea of safety, security, privacy, um, so much of the underpinning of any digital brand experience is data, right? So how do we collect and capture data in order to fuel and fire better innovation in terms of digital product experience? And you have to be very, very careful and mindful of that. So, I mean, Apple has been the most visible um, participant 
advocating this, you know, the importance of privacy and you know, their, their commitment to privacy as a core belief and value um, for and with their customers, as well as how they've built um, really their business. So I think, I think it's, um, I don't know, there's, there's so many, there's so many examples, right. From some of the big and certainly the small as well. So, um, and every one of them involves tech yet. The conversation isn't necessarily about technology. It's about humanizing ultimately that experience. So. Well, Jim, you just answered two of my questions that I want to answer. So you're ahead of the game also in this podcast, talking about brand immersive experience. You might want to ask, you know, give a good example. And indeed Airbnb is a, uh, a good one as well. Can you say though, to have a good immersive experience, the brand and the product has to be emotional in the first place. Like everybody loves Airbnb because everybody loves travel. Everybody uh, loves homes. Everybody loves exploring new things. And don't get me wrong, Airbnb built a beautiful brand around it. And they built, as you rightly set the platform very nicely, looking at the experience, look at the digital experience, but experience in the home as well. But they had a beautiful thing to start with in the, in the beginning, and that it's such an emotional thing to travel and to explore. And if you have exploring, for many of us, that is one of the reasons to live to build a beautiful immersive brand experience. Can you also do that with an emotion or a product that is, let's say, boring, that people don't want to think about? Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, the wonderful, that's the art of brand, right? Is to unlock and uncover those emotional aspects. I think um, I one we've recently launched the health and wellness practice here at 50,000 feet, and it's for our clients and it's for the market. It's also for many of our employees as well. So internal to the organization, as well as external, there's a need and a capacity um, to really explore and create experiences for brands that are touching literally the lives um, of, of patients or consumers and their customers around the world. So I think healthcare is a wonderful example of a category that uncovers emotional aspects of highly clinical, highly scientific, data-borne or data-driven, insight-driven molecular science or um, innovation that you may not see. Um, and you you may assume and take for granted. And I, I think the emotional aspects of that are critical. So again, you would look at some of the giants in big pharma, um, for instance, and some of the most visible um, healthcare giants to the, the challenger brands within health tech who are, you know, exploring and innovating around um, digital technology and how they can simplify or digitize um, some of the value chain in healthcare. And there's wonderful capacity to develop emotional experiences that really connect to caregivers from a clinical side, as well as through, uh, you know, a caregiver, and then ultimately to the patient or the end consumer. So I think there, there's a wonderful landscape there in which to explore. It's not only in consumer products, it's in, um, it's in every aspect. I think from a governmental affairs as well, I think governments around the world, um, it's an unlikely example. Um, some of the homeland security um, operations across, you know, whether it's the US or across, you know, global security uh, around the world are starting to articulate and create 
experiences that demonstrate the value as well as the gifts, right, and grace that some of their work does and gives back to the citizenry. So making our roads safer, our, you know, our airways safer, making travel and transportation safer and more secure. And ultimately, it's those are gifts, right, and rewards that you can give and you can unlock some emotional capacity of that. It fundamentally, we talk about this the simple tinker toy equation here um, from brand construction of idea to action to impact. So any organization has to think what's the animating idea? You know, what did foundationally is what what's the idea core belief that my business and my brand is built on? And then what actions do I take in the world to really demonstrate? And you know, what good do I do? And how do I how do I connect with my customers? What value do I deliver on how do I build my business? And then the third is really important that brands throughout the pandemic has have really picked on and we're doing much work in is talking about the impact that delivers in a greater, greater scale. So again, leaving the orbit of a given of a given client's business and thinking. How do they show up in the world? What good do they do? So I think about, we do a lot of work with financial services groups. So you mentioned the New York Stock Exchange, and you can mention many big asset managers or many trading groups and, you know, fintechs. And they're, they're, they're quite important to uh, that healthy, free capital markets are critical and core to economic development around the world. So country by country, state by state, as well as our global economy rests and relies on financial participants coming in and, you know, through free, highly, you know, regulated markets to exchange and conduct business. So I think the brand experiences and the work we do with our financial services clients do a higher order of good more and more. And I, they were truly leaders within some of the work coming, stepping out of the pandemic to make capital available um, for relief as well as expansion. So um, yeah, I, anyway, I, I think there's a lot of great, you could, a lot of great work you can do as brand marketers to help brands explore um, really what impact they deliver and make, um, making the world around them. When you mention your examples, they're all, let's say, cutting edge examples on, on let's say, on the, on the cutting edge of, of science, of healthcare, uh, and on, on technology. It used to be like that, that if you wanted to have a good marketing school, you would go to FMCGSS in Europe or, let's say, packaged goods in the US. But it, you're almost suggesting that for to use the latest technology and to build something, a beautiful storyline to build your brand or your brand platform on or your the, the, the belief system that you have to be in other fields, in more cutting edge fields. But perhaps I go too far into interpreting your words. Um, I think that's a good conversation. I think it's a great question and one to, one to explore and consider. I... I would think propositionally, you could, oftentimes we brand marketers have described or categorized our worlds in terms of B2B and B2C, um, certainly B2G and B2E, and B2something. If you, were, if you were to cut to the center and say, well, all the work we're doing is B2H, is business to human, <laughs> right? And uh, if you, that's if a good put, one. We'll quote you on that. Yeah, if you put the human being in the center and B2H, 
suddenly you have an organizing principle to say, how do I surprise and delight? How do I educate and inspire? How do I truly make a meaningful connection with that individual, right? One at a time, and then to increase the connection and create a community, right? And then increase that connection to actually create a market. And then again, to increase that connection and possibly even create a movement, right? And something much larger still being true to that individual experience. I think that's pretty powerful. Um, I do think technology enables a lot of that behavior. I, I think why, why step away from some of the the riches and reward that technology enables brands today to come to, again, listen and learn, uncover and discover about these individuals and serve experiences that really truly fit them at that time in that moment, and then create greater capacity. So I don't think it's, I don't think creating those great brand experiences are limited to cutting edge. I think any industry is ripe for disruption and then transformation. Um, which is really great. There's a great democracy, so to speak, that tech is available to to every business, to every brand, right? So it's crazy. And if and if you look at it the other way around, because we talked a bit more, let's say, of of, of brands and how tech can enable brands. But if you look at it the other way around, what role does branding these days play in tech? Has it become more important? It used to be this adagio that the product will sell itself. But that has changed. Yeah, if I listen to you. It's so important, right? And back to the beginning, brands were really, um, their genesis were to help us find our way in the world, right? They were monikers, they were emblematic of whether it's look over here, or this is different from that, or they're standard bearers, right? And speaking to the quality um, and whatever capacity of a given product or service or good. I think that's so critical today that I think every great technology brand understands the importance of brand or to their business, their core business to help their customers and, you know, ultimately your customers and consumers, right? From a B2B and a B2C or a B2H perspective, start to make their way in, you know, it helps facilitate education around um, a newer generations of, of, of tech. It helps provide the inspiration necessary to get over the humps or the challenges or the hurdles, right? That facilitate greater adoption and ultimately lead to greater markets. Um, and much of tech, we I don't think we forget, is invisible, right? So it's embedded, it's pervasive, it's ubiquitous. We don't see it anymore. And we rely on multi-sensory experiences or we rely on reassurances to, to make certain, oh, I, I believe in this experience and I believe in the ingredient brand or the ingredient tech. Um, and I'm reinsured. Ultimately, it's the brand that helps surround and and provides that reassurance so it happens so often right i mean you take everything for granted you take your phone for granted where you're speaking through it and with it yet it may be out of sight you're using your ear earbuds constantly and they they pivot and they change and um their use in mode changes based on their need set, whether someone's calling you or you're listening or speaking. I mean, we could think about every time you drive and you get into an automobile that's manufactured in the last several years, so much of the embedded um, tech helps to become literally the wayfinding 
to where you drive, how you drive from a safety perspective. It's, it's, it's crazy. So um, yeah, we could go on and on and kind of unpack almost every climate in which you spend your time, right. From, you know, morning, noon till night and think through all of the brand experiences that help guide and reassure you, and then point to some of those underlying tech that empowers it. So, so I think it's, do so you make a very eloquent case of how brands can help ad, adopt uh, speed up the adoption of some of the technologies that you that you mentioned here there do many of these companies also see that that has brand is brand playing a more important role in the boardroom of many of these tech companies it is it is it's um you know whether you you look at it from a shareholder or a stakeholder perspective. And I think in recent years, both have almost become equally important. Um, brand longitudinally has been studied and has been proven, right? It's verified that um, it's one of the biggest drivers of shareholder value. And that's absolutely critical, important for every top of the house conversation. Every executive um, needs to understand how critical brand is to that equation. I think when you look at stakeholder and you start to think of your um, your internal um, relevancy is talent and talent is so important to every organization from a recruiting as well as a retention perspective, understanding what is the employee value proposition or the EVP and the EVP becoming foundational to the brand experience that really captures the hearts and the minds of the the talent within and outside of your organization. I think brand is making connections around larger, important conversations around ESG, which are so important today. Um, would you help our some of our listeners? ESG. What do yeah, you mean of ESG? Sustainability governance. So basically, ah. basically the the your your social and environmental commitments that are they're evaluated and governed outside of your organization so the commitments that you make to your community and to the larger um community or or, or world um regarding your sustainable business practices as they relate to the world in which we live I think from a DEI perspective or a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, great brands are inclusive brands, right? Um, and we know that that um, back to a belief system that we know the greater um, diversity, diversity, we could we could do a whole conversation around the needs and the rewards and of of you know creating platforms that are supportive of diversity and equity inclusion that's one more example of the work of brands and how that's important to to ultimately the organizations and the businesses whom they serve so now now here is a very good link back to ideology again so <laughs> i'm a big fan of inclusiveness and diversity but you can argue and there have been cases in the in the past with Gillette that this is an ideology in itself that is perhaps more for us, our cosmopolitan, and if you may call it liberal elite in the large cities in Europe, in the US. Can we say that this belief system is for everybody or do you have to really look at your target audiences to also adjust your belief system to the target audiences? Um, I think... I. If I if I backed up the 
question. It's a fair question because it's one that's asked around topics that have become um, highly charged or politicized in recent years. Um, there is there's wonderful research that links greater diversity to greater performance for organizations at all sizes. And when mm. we think around really the charge demands of what brand is set out to do, and we talk about performance is not only only top line growth, it's bottom line performance. Um, brand has the ability to promote aspects within and outside of the organization that are supportive of those objectives. So in short, um, the greater diversity, equity, inclusion of brand organizations, the group, the higher performing those organizations. The same can be led and said about ESG. I think ESG is a broader umbrella and one that we're having important conversations to really, really around these ideas of governance. So who measures, who guides, who governs? Um, important conversations to have, ones that will continue to evolve and emerge and, you know, every brand should participate. So again, these are, these are, com they're great, com they're great questions to ask and great conversations to have even between us today, because with you and your audience and your, your listeners, it's ones that we should debate and we should discuss and we should contribute um, because they're, they're meaningful and they'll set the course for us in the next generation of brands. And I hear there are so many other conversations we can have. And I hope that this is the start of many other conversations. And I think the main thing that we should remember, the learning point is brands should be B to H. I'm going to quote you on that from brand to human, and it will be all good. Thank you, Jim, for your wonderful insights and your vision that you have and the philosophical way that you're looking at tech and brand. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Martin. It was a pleasure. It was really nice speaking with you. Thank you. And thank you to your listeners. I appreciate it. And I hope, dear listeners, that you found these insights inspiring as well. If so, please share our Branding Over Wine podcast with friends and colleagues. And when you have a moment, we'd love to get your reviews or ratings. Hope to have you all listening in on our next podcast. And thank you all for tuning in.